Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Morning. This show contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Are you ready to get your mind blown? One angry New York City Puerto Rican decided to start a radio show. Determined to piss the world off by shoving a mirror in front of society's face. He kicked them in the balls. What are you? Who are you? This is the Crotch Shot Radio Show. Crotch Shot Radio Show. This is not a test. This is a broadcast transmission. We're going to stay on the air. And now, and now, the Wimpy. The Wimpy. Welcome to the Crack Shot Radio Show, where we kick the issues in the balls. We're on an active war against bullshit. We would do anything and everything to expose bullshit. The ends sometimes justify the memes. So if you're angry and want the truth exposed, then strap in and prepare to be shocked. This is Smash Mouth Talk. If you can't accept that, then fuck off. I'm your host, Louis B. I takes no bullshit from nobody's actually exposed the bullshit of society and chop it up into easy to digest chunks of for you today won't be any different today we are going to be talking to special guest gabriel brown which i really need to make him a proper a proper introduction but uh he went to a antifa an antifa talk by uh by an antifa leader by the name of chip relay in fact, hold on. Let me call him and uh, get him get him in on this. Let's let's call him on this episode of the Crotcha Radio Show. So, <laughs> he knows him. Tell him I'm calling. Uh oh. Hello. 
Hey, what's up, Gabe? You're on live. How's it going there, Louie? So far, so good. So uh, let's just Excellent. jump right into it. You went to a an ent- a talk uh, given by an Antifa uh, leader. Uh, he did yeah. a speech uh, by the name of Chip Berlay. He did a speech yeah. called How Right-Wing Populism Breeds Neo-Fascism, a.k.a. the same song, tired song and dance with no fucking proof or evidence or any any correlation whatsoever but it's like uh you don't need uh proof when you're talking to your your acolyte your you're speaking to your 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 retarded minions well yeah i mean let's let me see if i can put this together for you um triple a he's a very interesting character i would say he's definitely a prominent figure of importance in Antifa, yet barely known about by either the Patriot Movement or people in his own circle. Or actually, let me rephrase that. He's known definitely by people in the circle, mm-hmm. but people on the outer layers of the Antifa <laughs> circle, probably not so well known, because they're just used to hurting people with bats and wearing masks. Right. But yes, he's very important <clears throat> because of what he contributes to the Antifa cause. He contributes a great deal of resources to things like political research associates, an outlet that's funded and sponsored by the Ford Foundation, which is a twelve billion dollar tax exempt foundation. And he provide he's also uh, had connections with the Southern Poverty Law Center and political research associates also kinda acts in many ways like the SPLC. So yeah, he provides a lot of tremendous resources to the Antifa cause. And he's barely heard of, but yes, he was giving a speech today for this um, topic that you're referring to. Mm -hmm. So I decided to take a trip down there to see what he had to say, since he wasn't too far from my neck of the woods, so to speak. Right. And I didn't see anyone really promoting it. And I just said, you know what, this is very interesting. Nobody's promoting this. So I Mm -hmm. went. So you didn't go there with the specific, uh, you didn't go there to try to disrupt like how they do. Did you? No, I went there to learn about, to understand their thought process and where they're coming from and in a more accurate sense. If I'm going to hear more of a, you know, I would maybe an academic uh, discussion. Usually when you run into Antifa people, they're just screeching and screaming and they're Mm -hmm. they're beating people up. But when you run into a guy like this, a suit and tie guy, Mm -hmm. because I'm going to call him, he's there to give a speech about, you know, their ideas, so to speak, in a way. So I went there not to disrupt, not to stop them. I don't believe in disrupting free speech. I mm-hmm. believe in learning about ideas or maybe having a dialogue and discussion and, if necessary, challenging those ideas in a civilized way mm-hmm. at the appropriate moment, not necessarily when the guy's giving a speech. So, yeah, I didn't go there to cause trouble. I didn't cause any kind of, like, chaos or problems. I went there... I was going to let him speak. I just wanted to see what they were talking about. I wanted to see if they were making mention of any specific groups or organizations that perhaps I might be associated with or know individuals involved with. So I was just curious to see if they talked, to see if there was an accuracy to what was said, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, yeah, I went for that purpose. Nothing violent, just so I can understand. Because I like to learn from both the left and right and and come up with a comprehension of accuracy of both sides, as I've always done. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like it's the same argument. They, I mean, I I didn't hear the uh, the um, the discussion at all, but I'm assuming it's the same old song and dance that they always give. That oh, if you basically basically if you don't think like us, you're a white nationalist, you're white. This I I, I think, and I've told this joke before. I think it's funny when white people are calling other white people racist. Like, Karen, don't stop stealing my job. <laughs> well, I mean, like, from what I, I do recall, you think, there was a lot of the same typical rhetoric or subjects you would expect to hear from yeah. a, this type of setting. In fact, here's um, this is uh, from uh, a uh, patch.com. Uh, apparently, this was the, the events here. Uh, re- yeah, read the synopsis about yeah. the events so people yeah. can have an idea what it is. Yes. Reach Out America <sighs> presents Chip Berlay, an investigative journalist, an independent scholar who has studied far-right movements for over 40 years. His new book is Trumping Democracy from Reagan to the Alt-Right, he he has also written for the New York Times, the Boston Globe, the Progressive, and many other uh, publications. Speaking on how right-wing populism breeds neo-fascism, Chip will share what he has learned in his years of research, followed by a question and answer period. He says it is too late to ask if fascism could come to America it has already arrived. You know what? You could change that, and you could change that word. And it'll, it's too late to ask if socialism could come to America. It's already arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he it, was speaking in a very uh, alarmist um, manner, and almost a sense like um, the end is coming. Yeah. Like some of those type of people you see with signs, uh, you know, from more, I guess, a religious position. The extremists about their position on religion, and they think that the end's coming. And wait, wait, let me like let me read this. Yeah, let me read this this line. This is gonna make everyone laugh, especially if you know all about Antifa or have some some idea of Antifa. It is our mission to defend human rights and preserve democracy itself. Yeah, I (laughs) even though I'm not laughing, uh, Louis. Mm That is the most uh, interesting, laughable thing I've heard in a long time. Oh, wait, wait. Even gets worse. Don't miss what is sure to be a threat-provoking discussion. Yeah, that you could argue was an (laughs) accurate statement because it certainly was thought-provoking with the degree of uh, self-projection that I overheard from this uh, lecture of sorts. (sighs) Comparing what I've actually seen in the real world Opposed to the theoretical one they presented to us. Yeah. Um, oh, the meet. This meeting will take place at Charlie Veach House of the uh, Unitarian Universalist Congregation at Shelter Rock, forty-eight Shelter Rock, Manhasset. Handicap access. Blah 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 blah. All right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. It was at the Unitarian uh, Church, which unfortunately I'm not as well researched on this topic but a friend of mine was uh, telling me there might be some elements of skull and bones um, association to I guess Unitarianism or 
But I don't have enough information to really get into that right now. But uh, it is uh, funny that, you know, Chick-fil-A, his actual name is John Foster, which mm-hmm. is very similar to the, the Foster, you know, the uh, Dulles brothers of the founding of the CIA. And how many of those families were connected to Skull and Bones outlets. So I don't know if he's directly uh, descended of the Dulles brothers, but it's ironic that he happens to be in a church that may have ties to Skull and Bone elements, while he himself has ties to very interesting foundations with uh, ties to elite groups like the Bilderberg Group and the Council on Foreign Relations. So I just, I don't know, I thought I'd mention a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But that's, uh, yeah, so it's just interesting, you know. But yeah, it's it's also, uh, the location was very much secluded away from, uh, you know. So they were. It was re- like an almost a residential neighborhood, but like it was a very long road, almost like being in Virginia. Oh, so it must have really pissed them off when you showed up. I showed up with no vehicle. I drove. I did not drive there. I came in on foot. I literally it was a very long driveway. It was almost like me. Reminded me of going to the Bilderberg Conference mm. in Chantilly, Virginia, in that type of terrain. So it was very odd that I would show up there with no vehicle. But they were certainly shocked. Uh, at least uh, one of the individuals, uh, Spencer Sunshine, who I've talked uh, about on this uh, podcast on multiple occasions, he was present there. At this event. Yes. And that's funny to me because I don't recall him promoting the events at all. In fact, I didn't see any Antifa group really promoting this event at all. So I found that to be very interesting that they didn't care enough to promote it to anyone mm-hmm. in their circles. I mean, it must, it must have pissed them off to no end that they didn't promote it. This is an out-of-the-way out place. It, you would think um, the area, and, and it's kind of interesting, the area that they hosted it in is in a very affluent area. Yes, it was uh, very, it was definitely a more upscale community, people of uh, affluence, you know, as you said, and, you know, definitely people who have um, a, a greater degree of income than, say, working class folk mm-hmm. with uh, upscale department stores not too far away. So, yeah, it definitely wasn't a poor community. It was definitely people of, uh, you know, maybe middle class or upper middle class um, positions, mm-hmm. which is funny because uh, the narrative, one of the narratives that Mr. Belay had uh, put forth, if uh, my memory serves me correctly, is he was implying that Hitler's rise to power was due to the middle class giving him that power. Mm. So he was demonizing the middle class in a way. And, you know... And so I just find it funny that, like, you know, the very people in that room are, I guess they're getting, it's almost like really, it's ironic. It's a church, and they're getting um, proselytized in this religion of social justice, where they're all guilty of original sin. They must repent for their sin. (laughs) It's really funny and ironic. And here's the thing, though. I mean, the problem, the, the, the thing that I will always have a problem with when it comes to these people no one is stopping you for for setting up your own community somewhere, like buying up land and starting a commune and having people donate to that commune or whatever. No one is stopping you. What we're what our problem is is when you try to make this a, a law, <coughs> forcing people to do this. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, they were, it's a, I guess, I don't know if I want to say this, but to the credit, they were talking about, you know, people being communitarian in the sense of, like, talking to their fellow neighbors at the supermarket about what they think is going on. Although the information that was being discussed there is um, you probably could debate or question it. But they did provide some, you know, interesting solutions that I think that you or I could probably apply if we used more accurate information than what they were presenting at the speaking event. But, yeah, it's just... um, it was very interesting, and like I said, it, you know, once I got there, you know, I was a couple minutes before the event started. I sat down. I actually talked to a couple of the uh, the women that were there at the event. It was actually, I'd say, like ninety five percent of the event was women of probably between late forties to early seventies. I could be wrong, but that's the kind of demographic I saw. A couple of men there, and I saw Spencer and his crowd all huddled in one area at their table. So basically they were, they were in a, uh, they were in elitist positions in the Um, elitist positions. Yes. Like as in, as in they, they were at the cool kids table. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. They were definitely at the cool kids table. Cause that's where the speaker was also at. And the people, the speaker was involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were all together. That's for sure. So, yeah, and of course, uh, shortly after I entered, uh, I did see him there, and I'm like, ah, well, I'm not going to go bother these people. I'm going to let them sit in their corner. They're not going to do anything to me. I'm not going to do anything to them. Right. In terms of dialogue, I'm not talking violence. Right. Because that's not why I showed up there. Of course not. Just to clarify. But I went there, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to leave them where they are. I just listen to the talk. If they don't want to come over to me, fine. It's fine. But, of course, uh, I guess it was the... I believe it was the venue organizer, or uh, it was a woman of some sort. She was associated with the uh, event to some degree. She walked over to me and asked me if I had signed in and what my name was, as Spencer also joined behind her and walked over to me. And I'd mentioned my name, because hmm. I, I actually don't lie about that. I told you, I'll tell you my name. Yeah. And I did. And then Spencer goes into this tirade mode where he starts, uh, <coughs> you know, verbally uh, accusing me and attacking me of all sorts of interesting uh, things, <clears throat> crimes, so to speak, of guilt by association. Ah. You know, he, yeah, he said that, oh, you, you, you're with all these violent neo-Nazi skinheads, you're with the American Guard, you remember this, you were at Charlottesville, you did that, you're doing this. And, you know, he's trying to just constantly hammer me with accusations to, you know, intimidate me. Because I, I showed up to this thing by myself. I didn't have anybody there to back me up. Right, right. And he did this and, you know. He- Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. The woman also came up to me and asked me questions, too, while he was doing it. So they were playing a little back-and-forth gang-up game. Did they... And I did the best, like... I'm sorry, what were you saying? So did they um did they do that thing that all leftists do? Is like they ask you a question, and then while you're answering one person's question, the other one jumps in with a question? 
like trying to like I, I think that would be accurate <clears throat> to a degree okay to some degree and my responses to long their questions mm-hmm. is very short right and just the facts ma'am just the yeah facts. for example yeah they're very short and so like my answer was primarily the bill of rights and everybody in supporting individual liberty for all, including the people attacking me. Mm-hmm. And then I was there for peaceful reasons to understand the ideas of what was being put forth. And it, Spencer didn't like this idea of what I was saying. He kept, uh, like I said, you, you were with, on the fascist side. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. I was there documenting what was going on in Charlottesville, which I did. And I have a YouTube channel that proves that point. Um, I wasn't there standing with fascists. I was there standing as an independent individual to document what was going on because I care about that. I've always done that. And, yeah, he's just saying guilt by association with groups. You know, I support what the American Guard does because I haven't seen evidence of them doing anything that would go against my way of thinking Mm -hmm. at this time. (laughs) I, I don't see them being Nazis. I don't see them doing anything fascistic. And many of the people I've seen, if they did come from backgrounds that were like that, that's not how they are now. They've actually gotten away from that. And they're no longer involved with that. And especially the founder, he was trying to attack me because of Brian James, who has a very interesting past. But from my interaction with him and from what I've seen, he's not the person that he either may have been at one point or has been accused of being at one point. So just because somebody has a shaky past, should I condemn them for the rest of their life if they've made some effort to change their past to be better people? I don't do that. I don't play this original sin game where you're always guilty even if you should And they tried to play that game with me and make me guilty because of other people. It's all guilt by association. And, of course, uh, the woman there proceeded to ask me if I had a gun on me if I brought a gun into this uh, church, which is a very strange question to ask somebody um, because I don't carry firearms. I'm, I don't own any. I've never carried one to any. I've never been violent to anybody at any event or rally in the entire activist career that I've had. <laughs> but for some reason, they felt that uh, it was necessary to ask this question. Of course. And sure enough, I consented to allowing them to see what was in the contents of my bag mm-hmm. because I knew that I didn't have anything. Right. And I knew it would make them look a little foolish to find out that I had nothing in there. And when they came to the realization that I had nothing in there, I had a, I had a hooded sweatshirt with uh, mm-hmm. my friend's record label, uh, you know, Riot Records, which they claimed their hate group, or actually, let me rephrase that, Spencer claimed it was a hate group. Uh, I deny that it's a hate group because people I know are a racial supremacist or hateful of anything. They just do what they do. And, you know, which is what most people do. They go to the bar, they, they have a good time, they listen to music, they like going to outings and, you know, sporting events. They're, they're not part of any kind of hate element. So that's all nonsense. And they tried to say that I had a hate sweatshirt or whatever. I'm like, no, that's not. And Spencer eventually walked away when they finally decided that uh, I could stay. Mm-hmm. You know, they told me I could, they, they they left it up to the speaker to determine whether or not I could stay or I had to leave. That must have, and he just, that must have chapped his there. ass. 
That What'd mu- you say? That must have chapped his ass. Yeah, he was very upset that I was not forced out of there because he kept um, pushing to have me removed. He said I shouldn't be allowed there, basically. Mm. And I'm like, you have no business to be here is uh, kind of what he was implying. You have no reason to be here. I'm like, I think I do. Yeah. I mean, let's think about it. If these people are possibly talking about, you know, if not me, maybe me, but if not me, certainly people, individuals, groups, that I might know directly or have had some interaction with, I think that I would be very interested in knowing exactly what's being talked about to see if it's even accurate. Because if it's not accurate, then it's creating sensationalism, hyperbolic, uh, you know, inaccuracies, which can lead to real violence. And in my opinion, has led to real violence by these Antifa types. Again, directed against people who have not done anything violent to anyone. And we can point out numerous cases on this. I mean, this has happened to Marines in Philadelphia who were accused of being Proud Boys. They were racially targeted by a member of Antifa Mm -hmm. and uh, violently assaulted by a crowd of, I think, over 10 people. Mm. And that was not the one and only time. This has happened on numerous occasions because of inaccuracies by such rhetoric. So... I went to the event, as I was telling you, to see what kind of narrative was being presented and if this narrative could be utilized into a violent direction against people because of accusations that have been leveled against them that may not necessarily be accurate. Mm. So I did think that was a reason for me to be there, despite what Spencer told me, that I had no business being there, essentially. I guess they were afraid that they were going to get a taste of their own medicine because according to the Antifa handbook, that you go to a right-wing gathering and you go there to disrupt. Well, isn't that funny? Yeah. I mean, so they they, they were afraid that you were going to go shoot up the place. My question is, if you're so wor- why why are you worried that someone's gonna shoot up a place? Which I don't believe they 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 I don't believe that they believe you had a gun. Because if they did, they wouldn't have approached you. In fact, in my security guard training, if you believe someone has a gun, you do not approach them. You are not police. You contact. You contact law enforcement immediately. You of don't, course, you don't, you don't, they knew I didn't have a gun, and yeah. I, and of course, they knew I had no gun. There was no reason. I wasn't dressed in fatigues. I wasn't dressed in any militant fashion mm-hmm. of any kind to imi- to initiate any kind of uh, assumption of violent uh, tendencies. I was dressed in a pair of khakis. With a movie T-shirt of Jurassic Park. <laughs> that is honestly all I wore. Oh today. shit! You, they thought you were gonna go Velociraptor on them, clever girl. Yeah, apparently so. I made sure specifically not to wear anything political, mm-hmm. not because I was undercover, but because I was trying to show a good a sign of sorts of neutrality. Mm-hmm. If people happen to notice me, I wasn't going to deny who I was because they're obviously calling me out by name. But if nobody bothered to do anything to me, then I'm just going to wear my plain clothes, which is not going to push a political agenda one way or the okay, other. Hold on. Um, okay, we got we got Spencer in, in the chat room, but not the same as Spencer Sunshine. 
I was going to say, wow, <laughs> I'd love to talk to that guy. Yeah. Uh, this 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 Spencer is a a twelve year old boy with a very ma- uh, very deep masculine voice that likes to call in the show, and <laughs> and, and and threaten to fight people, but but this is just because the person we're talking about Spencer is also named Spencer does not mean we're talking about you Spencer. The person we're talking about his name is Spencer Sunshine. He is a he is a person who is a leader. In a group that likes to call people racist when he is the actual racist. Do you understand, Spencer? As in not... He's like, I I know. Okay. Good. At least he knows. He knows. Okay. All right. Very important. I'm going to kick his ass one day. Um... (laughs) I'm gonna wait till he turns 18. And I'm gonna be waiting outside his 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 uh, his birthday party, and I'm just gonna jump him. It's like it's, it's legal now, motherfucker. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh man! So six, yeah, that was uh, it. Was a little bit uh, nerve wracking to have uh, you know several people gang up on me verbally. Yeah, of course. While I'm by myself, that... especially in the middle of nowhere and having no backup. Very brave, very stunning and brave, stunning and brave. I did my best to stand my ground, yeah. and, you know, especially since I was, knew I wasn't in the wrong. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't hurting anybody. And like you said, if they truly believed what they believed, uh, they should have called the police. But had they called the police, and it turned out to be a false report. They probably would have gotten themselves in trouble. Exactly. Rather than me, <laughs> after finding out that I didn't actually do anything wrong, nor have the tool that they claimed I possibly possessed. So... Yeah. It wouldn't have ended well for them either, and I probably could have had a false arrest case pending, and the which night... would have generated financial <clears throat> compensation if I choose to pursue it. Yeah. So it wouldn't work out. But of course, because uh, I mean, you were able to record the interaction, and I was able to hear some of it. Unfortunately, uh, you you're not uh, you haven't uploaded up to the internet yet. But as soon as you do, I'll play it on this show and have you back on to explain it. But um, yeah, I mean, can can you uh, tell tell us what what actually went on? In terms of what? In terms of the com- the, the the confrontation between you and Spencer and you and and Chip Bur- but Butlick. Butlick. Butler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't think you know, of something about I, it. That's okay. I understand. He, it's it's a French name, I think. I, I think. <clears throat> but, yeah, no. Um, yeah. Uh, it's pretty funny because I was actually, uh, I one of the reasons I went to this event is because I was going to uh, videotape it mm-hmm. to um, so I could study the topics that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And when Spencer came up to me, he just happened to get in the middle of my recording. So everything he said to me in a the specific manner he said it to me just happens to be in audio form. Mm. So congratulations. You cannot backpedal what you tried to do to me. Nope. <clears throat> and, of course, I'll tell you the rest of the events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. The speaker did get on stage and spoke about what was going on and even went as far as to incorporate myself into the uh, the the lecture 
by referring to a single individual of no name, mm-hmm. uh, being in the room with everyone mm-hmm. else, possibly had, if I, I, I can't quite remember what he said, but I think it went along the lines of uh, being a violent ideology or something along, just something along the lines of that. But he definitely was referring to myself, despite not mentioning my name. It was very clear he was trying to do that to the purpose of scaring people there. Of course. Which nobody got scared. They just kind of kept listening to what he was saying. Yeah. But I thought that was very funny that he turned me into the actual part of the speech that he was giving about his lecture. And then towards the end, I actually uh, decided to walk up to Mr. Belay, where he was at a table selling his book, which goes for the, uh, the retail price of $30, if you want a, want a copy of it. Mm. I just plugged this book for him. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> or or you up. could try to find it for free off of Torrance and get the PDF version and tell him to go fuck himself. You could do that, too. And maybe if we're lucky, we'll even find it on YouTube in audio form, which would be even better. So then you don't even have to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be very easy. Just listen to the audio. <coughs> so, yeah, he uh, he was selling his book. He, he offered it to, well, actually a woman wanted to buy it. And she asked him for, if he could, you know, she could buy it for 25 bucks. He did provide it to her for 25 bucks, so he gave her a discount. And eventually, uh, when I was ready to talk to him, uh, mm-hmm. I asked if I could buy the book. And, you know, I asked if I could buy it for $25 because I'm not very uh, affluent like some of the other people. Mm-hmm. But he told me he needs 30 because he's losing money on the deal if he was to sell it to me for 25 bucks. Mm. So I said, all right, I'll give you $30, which I did. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I proceeded to talk to him a little bit. He uh, then decided he was going to sign the book for me, which I was happy to see he would be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. So he asked me uh, what my name was. And at first I was just going to have him sign the name with his book. I wasn't even going to have my name in it, but he insisted to put my name in it. Okay. So I gave him my name, which I think he really knew my name when he wanted me to say it to him. So he got what he wanted out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Then he wrote the statement that he wrote in the book, which we'll talk about after the story. And so I gave him $40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're still talking. And I asked him if he's coming up there to uh, do the event, like do any events in the future. He's like, nah, I'm done. I'm going back to Boston. Because I was hoping maybe come back to Long Island and get to see some more lectures of his. But no, nah, he apparently told me he's not going to do that anymore, which I don't believe. And, well, you know, he, uh, he then, uh, it's, really, it's really funny, Louie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave him $40. His book was 30 Yeah. So I, I had to wait there for a little while. I'm like, uh, I had to ask him if he'd give me the $10 back in my change. Mm. Yeah, I almost think I swear if I forgot about it, and he, he, he probably would have uh, taken away because he, he he looked at me like uh, I had two heads, mm. but then realized, oh wait, you need your ten dollars back. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not so, going to accuse him of taking more money from me than he should have. Oh, he tried. He tried. Maybe, but I mean, think uh, of it this. Did. I don't know. Think of it this way: you got you did get a discount. Because I'm on Amazon right now, and the Kindle version, the electronic version of that book, 
goes for $35.49. Wow, I'm getting a discount. Uh, the hardcover book goes for... Oh, the hardcover? Yes. goes for. Well, we have the soft cover. Oh, so the hardcover goes for $120. And wow. the paperback is $33.28. So you got a whopping discount of $3.28. I almost paid 40 <laughs> But I'll take the 30 That's okay. Well, other you know other, best, other sellers. I'm sorry, if, if you, I'm sorry. If you go through other sellers, it goes up uh, um, as much as thirty eight dollars and forty seven cents for used. 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 What is in this book? I haven't even looked at what's in the book. That's so like <clears throat> remarkably high priced. I'm like actually really intrigued to find out what I bought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah, it's really funny that <laughs> that's the case. That it's so expensive, mm-hmm. but not really shocking because these people got to make the money. I understand. And the funny part is, I'm a piece of dirt, Louie. And that's the impression that he left me with in his body language and his uh, the voice. Mm-hmm. But I'm good enough to give my money to him. Yeah, of course. Because at the end of the day, so basically. If we if we're gonna use their rationale, he took money from a white supremacist. So by by reason of uh, guilt by association, that makes Chip Prelay a white supremacist. <laughs> well, if he's, I'm accused of that label, <laughs> he took my money. Then under means, Spencer Sunshine's argument, he yeah. kind of joined the the class of being a white supremacist. But that's probably an okay label for him. Because he's going to have white... Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Guilt. Well, here's the thing. For being white privileged. Actually, it goes goes a little bit worse than that. Going by their rules. Yes, going by their rules, since since you're an alleged accused white supremacist, and you gave him money for his book, Chipperley is officially has been funded by white supremacy. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did fund Antifa tonight. <clears throat> yes. In a, way. in a weird way, I kind of did fund their operations. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a lot. You think? You think? You think? You, how, much, how much of that money of that book is going towards Antifa? I'm saying, I'm saying it would be generous if five bucks of that. Goes to Antifa, but that's just the amazing part, Louis. It's not the money that goes to Antifa; it's the resources that Antifa is provided by a guy like Jeff mm-hmm. Burley, who has uh, basically access to filing cabinets and computer records. They get all of those valuable resources that Chip has through the intelligentsia. People like Spencer Sunshine obviously have access to his stuff. So we're basically, as I've been saying, 
he sold the money and he sold the money. He sold the money. No, he sold the book to make money for himself, which is fine. He wants to be a, he wants to market himself. He wants to make money off of his, uh, whatever you want to call it work. Mm -hmm. He's going to do that. That's the capitalist way to do things. You make money on a product you sell. Now what he has is free resources in a way, but he has that, he has the content and the other people need access to it. So, mm. Yeah, that's the money's not going to Antifa. The money's going to him, and he's providing with the money that's keeping him alive the resources that Antifa need to target people like me and you and whoever they want to target. That makes more sense, does it not? Oh, it does, yes. Yeah, so, of course, that's what's at play here. And, you know, it's it's just really funny. Somebody went there, I talked to him. He, he also mentioned something, if I remember correctly, and along the lines of, uh, I hope I don't see you on the other side of the fence type thing. Mm. But he didn't know my name and asked me for my name, but then would make a statement like that. And I actually wrote what he wrote in my book what did when he, he wrote? signed it, which you have an image of. Yes. Yeah, but why don't you tell people what, what he wrote? You know, I don't have the book in my hand to do that. I have to walk through the building to get it. Oh. Um, I'm going to let you read it. Okay, basically. <laughs> if you have any image of it yes. available. Basically, he wrote in the in the book, it's never too late to change. Yeah, it's never. It's, you got to repent. Repent, repent. I must repent. I don't know what I should repent for since I haven't done anything uh, of a criminal nature. Or even of a, a violent um, nature to hurt anybody. So, yeah, I, what should I change? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Last time I checked, my, I've been doing the same thing. I, I've been doing an activism since the beginning, trying to have dialogue with people on both the left and right, and trying to unite people on the things that we have in common, regardless, and, and respect the fact that we have differences of ideas and opinions. Because I actually respect people's right to do that, and I've always done that. So what am I? Why would I want to change that? But then again, I don't think these people really understand that, or actually, maybe they really do understand that, and that's what they fear about me. They fear I might be the one that uh, financially bankrupts them when nobody wants to buy their fear mongering anymore. Because that's what's, that's what they're afraid of. They're not afraid of me. They're afraid of what I can do to get people to come together. Yeah. And, and all of us, really. That's why they don't like so many of us. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm trying to think of that. There's this movie called... Um, uh, um, okay, what's it called? Uh, oh, The Network. Network with, um, yeah, you forget the actor, but you, you are correct. Um, there we, Alex Jones used to play the speech and yeah. so many other I'm as mad as hell. And, around. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. But he actually, I think he did. Um, uh, wait, I'm going to play it. I'm going to, I'm going to find it because it's basically what he it, it is in the spirit of what. In the spirit of how, uh, where he, uh, um, how he came at you. Ah, here it is. Found it. Wow, that was quick. All right, this is a five minute clip. 
They say I can sell anything. I'd like to try to sell something to you. Valhalla, <laughs> Mr. Beale. Please sit down. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. Is that clear? Do you think you merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multi-dollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? <laughs> What'd you think? You know, it was hard for me to hear, but oh. I do recall the movie, and I know that uh, there was a lot of valuable things to be said in that movie mm -hmm. that are very relevant today. Mm -hmm. I, it sounded, some of it sounded very much uh, relevant to what we were talking about, and obviously if you played it, it and you see it being as such, I, I, tried your, I trust your judgment. Now, yeah. obviously, I have to re listen to what you're broadcasting when I get a chance. You have meddled with the forces of nature, and you will atone. Basically, is the is the point yeah. I was trying to say. Uh, you have you have meddled with the forces of nature, Mister Brown, and you will atone. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty of original sin. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to bring people together, very much the way <laughs> Jesus Christ tried to do things, which uh, led to his crucifixion mm -hmm. by those who uh, saw fear in what he was doing. They were fearful of what he was doing. What he tried to do was bring love to others, from my understanding. And all I'm trying to do is help bring people together, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Which I know you know that's my goal. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah. people in Antifa do not believe that. Or know so to be true and fear it because of what it means for them and their careers. 
their careers are making money dividing people. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because at the end of this event, at the end of me talking to Mr. Belay, they all went back to the same table, their elite table. The, the cool kids. You know, yeah, the cool kids that earlier in the day were whispering to each other about me. All the other uh, kids with yeah. the pumped up kicks, they better run, better run, right round my gun. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the mean girls uh, crowd. So, yeah. Can you stop point, saying you know, freak? Can you keep some people there? Hey, hey Gabe, can and you stop saying good... freedom? Because that's never going to, That's freedom is never going to happen. So, that's so freedom. Okay. Guess I was well, only... not those people. Yeah. They, they don't want freedom. Freedom scares them. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, I freely had a good conversation with some of the people that were at the table I sat at, and we had a very productive conversation. Even if we probably don't agree on certain things, one thing we do agree on is we're not violent lunatics, mm-hmm. and we're not interested in that. And the the person left uh, after we finished our discussion. Mm-hmm. I proceeded to pack my belongings up, and as I did so, I simply waved off to the table of the cool kids and uh, told them I'll see them around and I left and nothing violent ever occurred I left when I wanted to they must have been not when they wanted so... to when I wanted to they must have been so pissed off I have a feeling so I'm sure that they had plenty to talk about in the car ride back to wherever it is they were going <clears throat> when they passed me by because I didn't drive out of there I walked out of there <clears throat> So it's been a long journey to get back to where I am now, but I'm back here in, in my neck of the woods, so to speak, and uh, which I'm happy about. But yeah, they, they must have been severely pissed off that I showed up, didn't get kicked out of there, listened to the whole speech, even bought a book, got it signed, and talked to people and left on my own terms. I'm sure they're going to be discussing this uh, problem of theirs Mm -hmm. in the very near future if they haven't already begun that process now. So I don't know what to expect down the road because of this. Mm -hmm. Because in a way, AAA probably wasn't paying attention to who I was Mm -hmm. before this. But I'm I'm fairly certain he knows who I am now if he didn't before. Yeah. And you I'm definitely... sure that they'll be discussing me at some point in their, you know, endeavor to shut me down. They probably, so. they, you probably, you definitely did probably ring their bell like, oh shit, this dude just showed up in the most out of the way place. That, that's, that, you, 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 like, whether, whether you admit it or not, that, you, you made a declaration. Yeah. And the thing is, Louie, as Antifa has said, mm-hmm. in their own words, I show up unannounced mm-hmm. to anywhere. And there is definitely truth to that. I do have a tendency to show up at any time. They don't know when I'm going to show up or where I'm going to be or when I'm going to be there. And they never will because I like a good surprise. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I may not show up at all. I might, you know, there might be a high-profile thing, and I might choose not to show up. But they don't really know. Well, it depends how I'm feeling. Mm. <laughs> I might show up to everything, or I might not show up to anything at all. 
Yeah, keep them but on their toes. As long as they uh, they fear the potential that I might show up, I guess that's all that really matters at the end of the day. It must have it must have really bugged them that there was absolutely nothing they can do. It really wasn't. I didn't present any violent action. I didn't make it. Um, I didn't make my intent as such. I didn't do anything that uh, mm-hmm. provides them any justification to have me removed. In all honesty, and if they were acting the way that I was acting, I probably would have let them stay too. If I was doing something, if they were just there to be cordial, even though I have my suspicions. But uh, I would make it clear to everybody that's who they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, you this know, just... maybe I should have announced who I was when I walked in the room, but there was no, it was not necessary. This just then, Donald Trump suspends travel to the U.S. from Europe for 30 days to limit uh, coronavirus spread. Well, that's good. At least he's uh, trying to tackle that. Although I have heard some complaints by people that he isn't doing enough about that, which mm. could be true. Maybe there is some criticism to be had there, but um, we also know the media wants to push as much hysteria as they can on yeah. this. Uh, whether it's real or not, it's another question. And also, what are we supposed to do about it if we don't have a biological engineered uh, bunker that can defend us against the virus? I don't really know. I'm going to try to live my life as best I can. I get sick. I get sick. I'll quarantine myself mm-hmm. and hopefully not die. <laughs> but other than that, I don't have many options. And neither did any of us as well. But it wasn't going to scare me from going to this event today that I went to. Yeah. If any, if anything, if you, ha- if you have it and you give it up to somebody, ha ha. <laughs> Although, I must say, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this, if I do get this thing, maybe I'll find some high-level Antifa people to mingle with. Mm-hmm. They can have it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I might be uh, I might be considered attempted murder, so I might have to be careful there. Well, not really, because you could give someone HIV legally in California. Yeah, that's true. I guess that that's okay, then. Yeah, I guess yeah. they can't really argue attempted murder. But I feel like somebody might try to argue that. Of course they will. Because, uh, was it restorative justice? Ugh. From the book you yeah. read? <laughs> Isn't that what they want? No. Well, they're not, they're not going to get it. So, yeah, that, that was, uh, I think that was pretty much the day I had over there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Chipper Lay, the reason why he's relevant is because of what he provides to the table. Let me start digging into the history of uh, the stuff he's involved with. Um, I've heard uh, <clears throat> discussions that he, his family may have very well uh, covered up the uh, Kennedy assassination. They mm. might have been participant in the cover-up of that. Mm. And this man's been around a very long time and has, as you read his bio on there, mm-hmm. associated with some pretty mainstream and establishment publications. And he's also tied in with... Uh, Entities which receive a lot of sponsorship from tax-exempt foundations, like the Ford Foundation, mm. the Henry Ford Foundation, I might add, who is named after Henry Ford, a man who is a bit controversial in his time when he was alive because people have accused him of being an anti-Semite for Hitler's uh, you know, favorable view of him. 
And the reason Hitler had such a favorable view of him is because he gave a pamphlet to anybody who bought a Ford vehicle entitled The International Jew. Mm. I don't know if that's very well known, but it's ironic that a foundation named after a man who's been accused of being an anti-Semite, especially by the standards that these Antifa people practice, mm-hmm. um, would even accept sponsorship or resources from such an outlet, which projects itself as a advocate of social justice on its own website. Mm-hmm. The irony behind all of this is very funny to me. We hate Nazis, but let's get our sponsorship from people who actually were, you know, admired by Nazis. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they can accuse me of that all day long, too, because that's what they do. But they don't want to deal with their sponsors who might not be from politically correct uh, standings. <laughs> so, yeah, Chip is uh, part of that little outlet. Um and there's so much that historically goes back to these tax-exempt foundations. The Antifa, it's a modern thing for us in many ways. But if you look at like the history that Jared Griffin puts forth in some of his documentaries and interviews, it all ties back to these tax-exempt foundations and what they've been doing for decades. And these uh, roundtable groups, like the Council on Foreign Relations and Bilderberg Group, Antifa are just pawns of these entities. At the end of the day, in AAA speech, if you listen to it, if you get a chance, it was basically trying to divert attention away from the real conspiracy mm-hmm. and re-twist um, it, so to speak, or you know, reform it into implying that me and people like me are the real conspiracy. Mm-hmm. When we have no influence or power in any kind of established institution. He denies, uh, if you go back to 2012 and watch Mr. Belay on mm-hmm. Russia Today being interviewed, he refers to the Bilderberg Group as a anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that doesn't run anything and has no influence. He kept referring to them as the Bilderbergers, like their food items. And he says, uh, he, he says there's probably two representatives for a country, and they go there, and then they come back to the country of origin they're from and they tell their political leaders about what they talked about the Bilderberg group and the political leaders there are like ah it's a bunch of malarkey we don't really care what they want so we're not going to do anything they ask us to do and that's how he like kind of like basically said what the Bilderberg group is about that they run nothing and they're from no influence of any kind these Rockefeller people none of these people run anything so while he works for the very people that run that group. <laughs> I mean, no conflict of interest there. But... I mean, yeah, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. If that's true, then at, you know, I don't think of any uh, honest to goodness business person or any business person with any self respect that would continue doing something that hasn't worked in what forty years. Yeah. Like what? We're going to continue doing exactly. this failed shit. No one's listening to us. Why are we going to continue? Why are we going to waste money coming here and like have like a jerk off session? And, and the funny thing is, this guy's denying any Bilderberg has any influence on anything. As mm. somebody who's been to at least two conferences on the outside, I would beg to differ on that. I think they have a great degree of influence. In fact, 
they had such a great degree of influence. They made it so that the local police officers acted as private security for these people. Now, I don't know if anybody can really do that unless they have a permit. Mm. But that was not the case. This is not a permitted event. This is an event on public, on private property where police were acting as private security. And then you see these people meeting secret, and then you're finding out about leaked documents that are being put out there mm-hmm. that talk about things a year in advance, like the housing crash. I remember watching a video on YouTube where the documentation was coming out of 2006 Bilderberg Group talking about how in a year there would be a housing crash, which is exactly what happened. And everyone who owned houses that were you know, trying to pay their mortgages they lost their homes. Mm-hmm. They lost everything. They got destroyed. They never. Some of these people never recovered. To this day, they're still in process of trying to recover. And that information was leaked out of Bilderberg a year in advance. If people had known about that, they wouldn't be able to protect their assets. But most people didn't know. So mm-hmm. to say that Bilderberg has no influence on policy of any kind, and, and it's malarkey and it's baloney that they run anything. Well, I don't know. I think it's very remarkable that leaked information from that meeting could have been preventative in so many people's lives being ruined a year later. It's amazing and remarkable that that just happens to be coincidentally things they're talking about and knowledgeable enough to protect themselves from happening. Well, everyone else who didn't have that knowledge fell apart. So, yeah, Belay, he denies that. I've seen um, YouTube videos where he actually, I believe he's trying to, he, he, it's almost like he debunks conspiracy theories mm. altogether. Mm. So it's almost like he's an establishment hitman <clears throat> trying to debunk conspiracy theories. And what's really funny, too, is he, when he was giving a speech tonight, or today, mm-hmm. rather, he was encouraging the room to vote for Joe Biden as the <clears throat> nominee because anybody but Trump... <clears throat> Anybody but Trump, so Biden was the guy. Got to support him. Mm -hmm. He had a saying about, like, voting for a yellow dog because anyone's better. I forget how he put it, but the thing is, he he said vote for anybody in blue but Trump. Hmm. You know? So... Yeah, I just, he, he basically is established for Hitman, to my estimation. Mm. And he, he works with the foundations, and he gets resources, and he's made a career out of this for himself. So I don't know if he actually believes anything he publishes or puts out there. But certainly he makes money from it. I don't know how much, but he makes enough, clearly, if he can travel about. <clears throat> unless he has some kind of like uh, lucrative uh, family fortune of his own mm-hmm. to keep him sustained. I don't really know. I'd have to dig more information on him to learn that. But one thing is clear. Spencer Sunshine is definitely a protege of his. And he's trying to work his way up the ladder to be like him. So he's definitely a mercenary for the established order. And he will be somebody in the future who will continue to do this. And we may see him rise to the ranks of where Berlay is someday. I may be wrong about that, but, I mean, I'm just following the trail of where things are going. And if they are uninterrupted and he continues down this path, that's where I see him going. Mm-hmm. Except the thing about Berlay is the difference between him and Berlay is, from my experience, is Berlay 
tries to play himself off like he's moderate and reasonable, like good cop. And Spencer hasn't really learned how to do that. Or if he has, he's not doing it very well. And he showed that to me today when he was very militant and demanding my removal. Whereas Belay, he didn't have me removed. He could have, but he didn't. And he let me stay. And he even, he even let me buy his book. He even mm. signed it. So that's where the difference between somebody like him who <clears throat> plays a nice guy and somebody like Spencer who wants to use naked aggression. And the thing is, they're, they're very different types of personalities, those two individuals. Which but mean, they work which, together which means and they serve if, each other's interest. Which, mean, which means if we take, well, I mean, uh, lack of a better term, if we were to remove Chip Burley off the off the off the playing board, Spencer is going to fall. I would say the potential is there. Mm-hmm. Um, he might find other ways to survive. But what I guess I'm trying to point out here is mm-hmm. everyone thinks Antifa is this violent entity, which it is. There's no denying that. We've seen it time and time again. But Antifa, that's not the only thing that's Antifa. Antifa has a network. This is evidence of it. And what Berlay does is brings a degree to Antifa's table of access to things that they wouldn't normally be able to acquire without him and people like him. And they use each other in a way. Berlay is too much of a, uh, I don't know if intellectual would be mm-hmm. the correct term, but he's too much of a guy who's, involved with ideology in a way whether he believes it or not but he's he doesn't have like street cred in the sense he's not a vicious violent person in the physical way he doesn't have that street tough street bound background he's not part of gangs he's not part of people he doesn't come from that type of background he comes he looks like he comes from a well-off background so he doesn't have the means to do that but what mm-hmm. These Antifa kids who are out in the streets going to these events, they have what he doesn't have, and they make up for him what he doesn't have. And he needs those people to basically be his enforcers, in a way, while he sits from above because he doesn't have the means to do it himself. So they're his enforcers. And that's what makes him, in a way, dangerous. Because he doesn't need to go be violent. He found his avenue of violence from others. And he has found a way to emotionally condition them to that direction. To act as dogs on a leash. And Spencer acted like that to me today. He acted like a dog on a leash. To his master. And that's the impression I was left with when I witnessed from my own eyes the way he was acting. Spencer, that is. And chip so that's what they they comp that's how the two very different types of people complement each other and i don't know if you would agree with that but that's an assessment that i've been seeing all along the grunts do the grunt work while the leaders lead and that's what you see with this too I don't know if you would agree with that, Louie, but that's an assessment that I'm mm-hmm. coming to a conclusion with, with what I'm seeing about these, these very two different, not just individuals, but just like these very two types of <clears throat> groups of people and what they do and what they function as. Mm. 
and this is what people, why people need to realize Antifa is a larger network than just a bunch of basement dwelling kids. It's bigger than they realize. They don't understand why. And hopefully they'll start learning why. And I think in the future when we talk more about tax exempt foundations and the history of their connection to the roundtable groups and what their goals were, the things that Norman Dodd talked about with G. Edward Griffin back in the 80s, this diversion factor, that's the other thing. I don't think I fully went for the G. Edward Griffin stuff. There are films I highly recommend people watch, which we'll discuss in the future. The, the con Capitalist Conspiracy, which mm -hmm. talks about a lot of these organizations. The interview with Norman Dodd by G. Edward Griffin, who talks about the hidden agenda of the tax exempt foundations. The Subversion Factor, which is a two-part documentary series done by Edward, talking about the National Lawyer Guild and many of the other arms of this New World Order apparatus, who today, in today's world, feed Antifa everything they need. Then you can look at Yuri Bezmenov to learn the psychology of these Marxists on the surface, a former KGB uh, operative who defected to the United States and tried to warn the American people back in the 80s of everything that we're now seeing today. And he was absolutely right. There's quite a few other documentaries. John Birch Society put out a great film, uh, documentary about the Council on Foreign Relations and its interest in history, <clears throat> which uh, I will uh, send you a copy of and we can probably further discuss in the future. There's quite a few good um, films that if you watch from the 70s and 80s, you're going to see the correlation of how Antifa is absolutely tied in with it. And that these groups are the same. The only thing that's changed is the pawns that they now use. Mm. But some of these pawns are still in place. Because if you watch Alex Jones' uh, Police Date 2, The Takeover, mm. which he talks about the Seattle 1999 riots, mm. well, guess who was there? Wow, that was going on and the Ford Foundation was involved with it and all those other groups. Chip Black Block. Oh. I'll tell you who, Spencer Sunshine. Yeah. He was there on the ground. That's why a guy like him is involved with where he is today because he has the experience of being at things like that and he worked his way up to make his connections with people he needed to. And he's still doing what he's doing now. These, this stuff is all very relevant today. And if you look at it and you do the research and you take notes, you're going to come to that realization, as I did a long time ago. And we'll obviously talk about this stuff in the near future, but I just want to give people a preview if they want to go watch some of these YouTube videos and learn about this stuff. They'll start seeing the correlation and connections or do actually make sense. And this is why I knew about this so long ago back in 2013 when I started researching Antifa and realizing what they were connected with. And that's why I've been pretty fairly accurate about many of the things I predicted about them and what they were involved with that's proving to pan out to be accurate. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot more research if we've looked into. I mean, you got the handbook. But everything I told you about back years before was pretty much what the handbook told you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyways, uh, let's, let's end it here. Cause we've already been on for like an hour and nine minutes. So, um, 
so when 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 you're able to get that audio because i would really like to play it and then discuss it further um but we will we will on a later date we're gonna really go into chip Berlay. Uh, cause he, he, he really needs to get exposed because apparently he is, uh, an open secret. He is. He's a very open secret. I mean, researchers, like I call myself a researcher and there's other people who are, we know about him. We mm-hmm. know about what his deal is, but so many people, the Patriot movement and even the people on the opposition side, they really don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. He's he's like a mystery man to people, but he's so out in the open and he's so involved with things. It's really amazing when you start when you can pay attention to what he's doing and you realize that. But yeah, I mean, we definitely there's a lot to talk about obviously in the future about all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, I do plan on putting that audio up. I hope I'll have it up in a couple of days. Depends mm-hmm. when I get to the computer to be able to work on this. But at the latest, I should have it up by next week. Yep. And I'll put it up on YouTube for sure. And I guess I'm sure there'll be more stuff that we can talk about in the future when I come back on the show to do so. I appreciate you uh, allowing me on the show. Anybody who wants to reach out to me, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel. All my links are in most of the video description section. So if you try to add me on Facebook, please message me so I know that you're an organic person, not a robot or an Antifa drone trying to infiltrate because usually I don't add people I don't know personally. So make sure you re- you contact me first so I know what's going on if you're listening to this and you're interested in reaching out to me. So mm. I do want to thank you, Louis, for providing me an opportunity to talk about this topic and uh, everything that went on today. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate on. that. Yep. So, yep, that was Gabe Brown, everybody. Uh, be sure to check him out. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the Crotch Out Radio Show. And as always, from my house to your house, mahalo. And that's the end of my show, donk. Help the Crotch Out Radio Show grow and thrive by doing something you already do. Shop on Amazon. Amazon always has great deals for whatever you are looking for. From survivalists and riot gear to beanie babies. Next time you're going to shop at Amazon, use my link. The prices stay the same, but I get credit for the sale. Just go to tinyurl.com slash B and just shop normally knowing that you're helping support the Crotch Out Radio Show. That's tinyurl.com slash B. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. 
Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.